If you will, open your Bible to First uh, Chronicles chapter number 16, just as a way of testimony as we start. Uh, this year at camp, both camps uh, were such a, a blessing. They were spiritual uplifting. Although my body was exhausted, uh, it is a lot of work uh, going to camp. And if you've ever been, you know the feeling. Uh, but both camps just were uplifting uh, to my spirit. Uh, our students, like, like Brother Greg said, we have a great group of kids. Uh, they had a great spirit all week, and it was a joy to serve with them and get to serve them, and get to know them a little bit better. Uh, this year I took it with an intention to try to uh, ask questions and, and seek where God is have, you know, has them. Uh, so it was just a joy. And if you were able to come and visit even, and you sat in one of the messages, it was hard not to get convicted. Because uh, the man of God brought the word of God, and it was, it was uh, a joy to be able to be a part of it. So tonight, <clears throat> I have about 30 minutes, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to be a little less. And I, if Brother Brian can get it, we'll show a missionary video tonight, uh, and someone that Pastor wanted us to, uh, to show you. If not, we'll just talk about him at the end, and, and hopefully we can get that video shared. Uh, so, First uh, Chronicles chapter 16, verse... Verse number 11, we're just going to read this one verse, and this was uh, a verse that was read on Friday, uh, and I, it stuck with me. And it says, uh, seek the Lord and his strength, seek his face, what's that last word? Continually. Uh, so I don't have a lot of time to build up a message tonight, and I'm going to try to stick to uh, getting everyone out on time. Uh, so I want to get right to the point. I'm going to ask a question, and I don't want you to raise your hand, but I want you to be honest with yourself and honest with God. And when you th as you think about your answer, think about this question. Do you spend time with God every day? As you think about your answer, I have no doubt that there are some in this room that could stand up and honestly say before the church and before God that, yes, I spend time with God every single day. But there are many tonight that, uh, that would not be able to say that. There are many uh, that might say, well, I do a few times a week. Or maybe they say, maybe you can say, I do the best that I can. But can you, are you really doing the best that you can? Or could you do better? Even in those that meet with God on a regular basis, that have their quiet time, whether it's in the morning or in the evening or in the middle of the day, uh, maybe that time can improve. And not necessarily in length, but in, in investing in your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And we do, we do that through reading our Bibles and praying every day. Like the kid's song says, read your Bible and pray every day and you'll grow, grow, grow. So tonight, um, I, I want to also ask a follow-up question. Do you want the power of God in your life? And I, I think every one of us could say, yes, I do. I want the power of God. I was, I was actually, this is in my notes, so forgive me. Uh, I was praying on the way here. Uh, I had my eyes open. Yeah. <laughs> Just say that. I had my eyes open. I was driving and I was praying. And I, and I said, God, why do we not see the revivals that we only read about in books? Why do we not see these revivals where... Uh, young people and old people and all kinds of people in, in between flood the altars and the altar calls go hours and hours and hours because people are getting right with God. 
Why is it that we don't see hundreds of people getting saved and hundreds of people confessing their sins? Why do we not see that anymore, God? But could this be the answer? Because we don't spend time with Him? We don't bring the power of God into our lives through prayer and through Bible reading because when we do, it's just checking a box. Friday, as I said, the speaker spoke on this, this passage. He read this verse and he, and he said the same thing. And I was so convicted. Because if I can be honest today, there are many days that I just check the box. I read my portion of scripture I said my prayer, and I move on. But I don't want that to be anymore. I believe tonight I am not alone in that. In fact, there are few churchgoers that read their Bible daily. In 2019, a discipleship pathway assessment study from LifeWay researchers found that those who attend Protestant churches regularly, that's all, all walks of Protestant churches, are inconsistent in their Bible reading and thinking about Scripture. The study identifies that the Bible engagement is one of eight signposts on a consistently growing Christian life. But only one-third of Americans who attend Protestant churches, that's 32%, say they read their Bible on a regular basis. Around a quarter, 27%, say they read a, their Bible a few times a week. Even fewer, only, uh, only read it once a week. That's 12%. A few times a month, 11%. Once a month, 5%. And close to one in eight adult Christian churchgoers read, uh, admit that they read their Bible almost never. So I know that I'm not alone in the fact that my, my time with God can be better. And it's not just reading your Bible, it's also prayer. And, I, and for many, prayer has become, uh, become that, uh, I need you to work right now, God. That emergency prayer. There's someone in the hospital dying, they're on their deathbed. We need you to pray for that person. Uh, we, we need you to intervene in this person's life. There's someone that's... Uh, on drugs, they're, they're, they're lost. We need you to intervene in this, in this moment. We need you to save them. But what about the daily? The daily grabbing home the horns of the altar and daily seeking the Lord. And if you, if you think, well, I spend time praying every day. Well, when was the last time you prayed for an hour? And in today's world, our microwave society, that's almost unheard of. Praying for an hour. As something that our speaker said, he said uh, that prayer for an hour isn't as long as you think. But we're intimidated by it. We're afraid of it. But if you spent one hour with God every single day for a week, how would God move in your life? Maybe we should try. And when the when was the last time you spent much more than just a few minutes in prayer a day? And I'm not preaching this message just to you tonight. I'm preaching it to myself as well because I was convicted. 
I, I, need, I need God in my life. And I was praying on the way here, God, I need you to intervene on my behalf every single day. I need your power in my life every single day. And, and I need you to work in my life every single day. Lord, I need you. So uh, as I stand before you tonight, I want to do better. Why? Because I want the power of God in my life. And I hope that you do too. And I want him to, to have full rule and reign over me. I, I want him to be like, like Philip when he was walking around Israel and, and God said, go over here, and he went. And God said, go over here, and he went. And God said, go over here, and he went. Go join yourself to that chariot. Go talk to them. Speak to them. May that be my, my heart and my life. You know, and as you look through history, every time you, there was a great moving of God in the midst of people, or every time there was a great revival, it always involved prayer and Bible reading. Every single time. Remember Nehemiah? Remember God's people, Israel, were, were taken into captivity and they were taken from their homeland, and God allowed them to return during the time of Ezra and Nehemiah, and Nehemiah leads the people to build the walls of, uh, of Jerusalem, and when they were finished the wall, walls, they gathered the people together, and Ezra stood before them, and they opened the word of God, and they read the word of God, and revival broke out. Actually, turn, turn with me and Nehemiah chapter 8. And we're going we're gonna to pick up this, the narrative in, in verse number 8. And it says, And so they read in the book of the law of God distinctly, and gave the sense, and caused them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, which is the, I looked up this word and looked up this word, and Tish, Tishbana. It means governor, it means leader, it means he was the guy appointed uh, as ruler. Uh, Israel, or, and Ezra, uh, the, the priest, the scribe, and the Levites uh, that taught the people and said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the, Lord, the word of the law. And then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portion unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto, your, unto our God. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites stilled all the people, saying, Hold your peace, for, for the day is holy. Neither be ye grieved. What happened there is... God, uh, God's people were convicted by the reading of God's word. When was the last time we had that? So how do we get back to it? How do we get back to this kind of revival? How do we get back to spending time with God? What are some things we can do to gain the power of God in our lives once again? Well, first, and it's not necessarily a point but it is no less important. And that is, you have to want to. 
you have to want to. You know, I get, I go to the kitchen and I get something to eat, not because I need it. I mean, trust me, not because I need it, because I want to. You have to want to strengthen your relationship with him. You have to want to improve your walk with God. If you're here tonight and you have already turned me off because you know the time and you, you're ready to go, you're ready to eat, maybe your walk with God will never improve. Especially if that's your attitude. If you're, so if you want to improve your time with God, you want to improve your relationship with Him, you will. Right? You know, something profound is people do what they want to do. If they want to be in church, they'll be in church. No matter their excuses. If, if you want to spend time with God, you will spend time with God. I know how profound, right? Um, we're uh, we're going to look at three, three quick points. And then I'll shut up and I'll let God work. Um, If you want your time with God to improve, you need to first remove distractions. Remove the sin and renew your passion to seek Him. So remove distraction. If you look at 1 Peter chapter number 5 and verse number 8, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is as a roaring lion walketh about seeking, seeking whom he may devour. And the words in that, that, that text that stands out to me is sober and vigilant. I, I think we all know why we need to be sober and vigilant. Because we have an enemy, Satan, who desires to destroy the Christian life. But may we also be sober and vigilant to keep our relationships with God strong. You know, if we, if we break apart those words, sober... In a literal sense, means what you think it means. To have self-control. To be clear of mind. If you are an alcoholic and you drink a lot of alcohol, you would be considered intoxicated. So to be sober would be opposite of that. Because you do not have control. The alcohol does. And just to be clear, sober is the opposite of every kind of fuzziness. When you do not have control. To sober is to be clear of mind. So be sober. Be vigilant. Which means to awaken, to arise, to be alert, to get ready. Even ever since I became a father, I have this sense of being vigilant. Especially when I'm with my family in a public place. Any year in 2022, Right? When I go to a restaurant with my family, I always sit, and maybe fathers can testify, I always sit where I can see the door. And I always sit where I'm not in the middle. Why? Because I want to be vigilant. I want to be ready to protect my family if I need to. I remember there was a time when, when Ryan was about a year and a half to two, and my family and I went to a park in Springfield, I won't tell you the name of the park, but you might figure it out. Um, and Megan was taking some pictures of the Lane family for Tia. Uh, and I, I think Tia was pregnant with Ezra at the time. 
excuse me. Uh, so uh, I took Ryan on a walk around this park. And I was so keyed up the entire time I was walking around because there were a lot of people in this park. I mean, a lot of people, way more than normal people. And it was around the time of that, that game on your phone uh, became popular, Pokemon Go. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's a, it's a game where I guess they send little Pokemon and you're on a video camera and you have to kind of catch them. Uh, I'm just as confused as you, Miss Diana. <laughs> I saw the look and I'm like, yeah, I, right there, that's me. Uh, but what the park did is they set up some trails so these gamers could walk around and they could catch Pokemon on their phone. Uh, and there were a lot of people there, and Ryan and I walked around the park once. And as, as little legs do, he got tired. And, but I wasn't done. I, want, I wanted to keep going. So I, I left Ryan with Mama where I knew he was safe, and I went around the park again, but this time I was jogging. And I don't jog anymore. But I did, I did it one time. Uh, anyway, I, I was jogging around the park, and I, I got about halfway, and I stepped around a group of people, and I continued to jog. When I noticed, there was a man chasing me because I was still vigilant. I was still keyed up after having my family with me. And uh, he was chasing me. And I thought, well, maybe he's just being silly. Uh, I'll just keep going. I just kept the same pace. But after a few minutes, I noticed he was still behind me. He was still chasing me. So I stopped to see what was going on. And as I turned, I realized it wasn't just a man following me. It was two guys following me. And the first man had this look of rage like he wanted to murder me. Like maybe I got in the way of his Pokemon game or something. And not only did he have this look of just hatred on his face, he had his hands up like this. Like he was going for my throat. So I thought quickly... And I lowered my shoulder, and I put the man, who was much larger than me, over my back and put him on the ground hard and got ready for the second guy. When I realized that the second guy wasn't trying to chase me, he was trying to stop the first guy. So did I stop and figure out what the guy was, uh, why did I make him so mad? No, like a good little scaredy cat, I ran. <laughs> and I, I, I promise, that's what I did, I just took off. And then to this day, I have no idea why the guy was chasing me. No idea whatsoever. But then after, I got to thinking, what if Ryan was with me? What if, what if I wasn't vigilant? What if I was distracted? What if I was looking at my phone? What would have happened then? Let me catch up on my notes, because I told that story from memory. I, uh, Many Christians today are being devoured by Satan because they're distracted. Because they're looking at everything else instead of looking here. They're distracted. What's a distraction? That's anything you put your attention on instead of your attention on God and spending time with Him. For some, a distraction could be the television. For some, it's family. For, for others, it's a book that you would rather be reading. It's not me. But for some, it's work. It's your phone. It's social media. And for many young people and growing fast, even into older adults, it's video games. And I won't go in, this message isn't necessarily about video games, but I did a little bit of research about this. And I won't tell you all the money and all the time that's spent on video games, but I will say that, uh, a few things. Uh, 
that over 65% of all Americans are considered gamers. 65%. That's 200 million people. Gamers. And may this number sink in. And as, of, as of 2020, there are roughly 2.77 billion gamers worldwide. And a gamer would be more than that person that just plays it every once in a while, you know. They play it regularly. Like I said, this, video, this message isn't, isn't necessarily about video games, but maybe it's a distraction. And then I'm not, I'm not going to harp on how evil they are and how, how, God is really, or how Satan has really twisted the minds of young people because of video games. But I will say, maybe it's a distraction. I know for me as a young person, when I was in high school and as I got into college, video games were a distraction. The best thing I ever did was sell that thing. I just got it out. I just removed it. What is keeping you from spending time with God? What is, what is distracting you? Let me encourage you for a moment, remove it. Whatever it is, remove it. If it's family, get away. Get, get your quiet time where there's no family around. Get your quiet time where you're alone with God. And watch God work. Do you want to grow your relationship with God? Do you want the power of God in your life? Then take big steps. Remove the distractions, no matter what it is. Young people, I want more than anything for you to follow God with your life, but you're not going to do so if you don't remove the distractions. And cell phones can be a big thing. Remove the distractions. And remove the sin. Try to hurry. I realize I'm running out of time. Psalm 66 verse 18 says, If I hide iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. There is no such thing as a hidden sin. Trying to hide sin from God is like trying to run away from your shadow. You're never going to get away. You can't run away from God because God knows everything. Your family and your friends might not know about your secret sin, but God knows. All the skeletons in your closet uh, should be confessed because unconfessed sin will block you from God. Another danger, dangerous thing about trying to hide your sins is that you might think you're getting away with it when it only leads to a debilitating and backsliding sense, which is deadly. And something that no Christian should do. Confess your sins today and allow God to work in our lives. Not only does the sin stop us from God from hearing us, it stops us from hearing God. And I don't know about you, but when I get into a sin and I know that I've committed a sin and I'm just going to harbor in it, I don't want to meet with God. I don't want to spend time with him. Why? Because it convicts me. James tells us that the Bible is as a mirror. When I look in it, all I see is my sin. Remove it. As it boils in your heart, it will pull you away from God and pull you away from God. Uh, Charles Spurgeon said this, Christians, beware, lest, uh, lest thou think lightly of sin. Take heed lest thou fall little by little. Is sin a little thing? Is, is, is it not a poison? 
Who, who knows the deadliness? Sin Is sin a little thing? Doth a little fox spoil the grapes? Doth not a tiny co- uh, coral build a rock that can, uh, which wrecks a navy? Is sin a little thing? It guard, uh, guards, uh, girds uh, the Redeemer's hand, uh, the Redeemer's head with thorns and pierced his heart. It could weigh, it could weigh you the, the least in sin. Uh, sin is in the scales of eternity. If you weigh it in the, skin, the sins of eternity, you, will, uh, you would fly from it as you would a serpent. You look, up, you look upon sin as, as which crucified our Savior, and you will see it to be exceedingly sinful. When we compare sin to what Jesus Christ did for us, we want to we run away from it. When you look how, how deadly sin is, if you were to, to, play, uh, to show your life at the end of a sin that you just won't let go of, you will wish you would have stayed away from it. Ask any drug dealer that is in the mid, or drug addict that's in the midst of their drug addict uh, or at the end of their life dying from some sort of cancer, and you would sh- say, "If I would have showed you this result at the beginning, would you have ever tried it?" I bet overwhelmingly they would say, "No way." Let me encourage you. Don't. Uh, uh, let me encourage you. It is hard to remove sin uh, in your life when you're keeping it a secret. As we learned uh, this week, uh, no, you don't have to shout it from the rooftops, uh, but uh, our camp speaker spoke a lot about accountability. And it's important uh, to overcome sin. And having that, that person that can come alongside you and encourage you and pray, for, pray with you and pray for you and can help you overcome whatever sin that you're harboring. Remove the sin. Confess it. Have... Uh, uh, have someone, a mature Christian that you can trust, be that accountability for you. Someone once illustrated uh, removing sin uh, in your life like this. It is difficult um, to remove the longer sin stays in your heart. It's like a tree when it first starts. It's just that sapling. And in fact, in the fall, when you look at my flower beds, there's all these little saplings starting to come up. And they're real easy to remove. They're real easy to remove. But if I would allow those saplings to grow three, four, five years, it becomes a little bit more difficult to remove them. Maybe I might have to use a shovel, or maybe I might have to use something to help me get the tree out of the ground. But if I let that, that tree grow a decade, 20 years, 30 years, it becomes much more difficult to remove with power tools and maybe help uh, from others. And you will always have evidence of that tree being there. That's the same with sin. When you remove it when it's small, it's easy. It, it, it becomes a little easier when it's small, but as you allow it to grow in your life, it becomes much more difficult, and you will always have the scars from it. Remove the skin. Uh, remove the sin. The question is, do we want to? 1 John 1, 9, I know many can... Uh, quote this verse, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Sometimes I think about that verse and I think, it can't be that easy. 
of what it is. It is a promise from God that if we confess, He'll forgive. But do we want to? Do we want to improve our, re- our relationship with God? Do we want to improve our walk with Him? Remove the sin. Remove the distractions. And last, renew your, renew your passion to seek Him. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16 says this, for, for which cause we faint not, but through our outward, outward man per- though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. As we seek God in our daily walk, we will, be, we will have a renewed passion to seek Him. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. I love this verse, and it's become uh, kind of a theme verse as I speak to young people. Uh, and that's, um, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where's your treasure? What, what gets you out of the bed in the morning? What gets you excited? What gets your blood pumping? Is it a football game? Is it a basketball game, young men? Let me tell you, I'll, I'll say this. In all my years going to, going, coming to Hillside, Baptist, going to Hillside Baptist Church and going to camp with, with Hillside, we've never, never won first place in basketball. And we took second this year. That's as far as I've ever got. But just, just to brag on them. Anyway, is, is that your treasure, though? Is that, is that what gets you excited? Or is your excitement found in seeking God and Him first? For many, spending time with God is quite boring. And maybe if you're just checking a box, it is. But it, what gets you out of bed in the morning? Because I get to serve my God today. I get to spend time with Him today. I look forward to those moments that I get to spend with Him. Because if it is, the joy is evident in your life. I love Psalms, and I love how Psalms compares, um, compares this to thirsty, to being thirsty. In fact, have you ever been really thirsty? In fact, that, that reminded me, I'm pretty thirsty. I can tell you this week when it was 104 degrees, we were pretty thirsty, out there playing softball. Playing, playing sports, at 104, we got pretty thirsty. But are you thirsty for God? Are you thirsty to spend time with Him? Do you have a hunger? Do you have a desire, a passion to seek Him? Maybe that's what we need tonight. Maybe as a church, we just need to seek God with everything like those who are in a desert, dry and thirsty. God, I need you.